Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up and done. Two soldiers, five. We are the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school page. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Off brakes now. In the air and on air, the Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, back with you for another week. And it's been a fun and busy week for me. I've been still down here in Dallas. This is like week number three. So we're doing these shows remote. And I appreciate each and every one of you that has been calling and emailing and sending in uh, your feedback on our shows. So as the show grows, we're getting more and more people that are listening on podcasts. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. And I am absolutely grateful for each and every one of you. The good news is I got a guest this week, another guest. But before we get to my guest, I want to just mention one thing, World Record jet.com worldrecordjet.com and a couple of people have called me and said why aren't we working with high school kids so remember the whole focus of this world record jet project is we are going after that gen z these young adults that are in college in trade schools to get people involved in aviation to get them involved in our world record projects but i just saw this a couple days ago, the Gamma Annual Design Challenge, that's a General Aviation Manufacturers Association, and they have a contest. And I'm going to talk about this more at the end of the show, but I just want to preview this because if you're a high school, know somebody in high school, know somebody that wants to do something with kids in high school, this is only open to the first 150 schools, and we're going to pick one high school from somewhere in the country that we will work with personally. This whole contest is to promote aviation jobs and STEM education through a um, focused STEM education and a virtual fly-off. So I'm going to talk about this later in the show. There's a cool winning package, and the schools that get involved will get a free fly-to-learn curriculum aligned with STEM education. So you're going to get to design or modify an airplane and do a virtual fly off an X-plane. So if you want to use an Iskra as your virtual aircraft, and if you need some help, and if you're in a high school, we will help you. We want to work with you. It's kind of our way to give back to you. But as I said, more on that later, as I say each week, blame COVID, baby. I've been like a broken record on this. Fear, panic, and overreaction, all things that don't go well with aviation. So air shows are dark, but we love our fans and make no mistake, air shows are pure entertainment. But air shows are also excellence demonstrated 
and an opportunity for virtually anybody to be introduced to aviation. And air racing is a little bit different, but the national championship air races in Reno, Nevada, are basically the last of its kind. And my guest today is part of this group of aviators, and they have a surprise planned for the people in the Reno area. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to let him do that. I'd like to introduce my guest, Mr. Jeff Turney, who's a former rah-rah air boss, rah-rah Reno Air Race Association, for those of you that are not into or haven't seen an air race. And if you haven't, you need to get out to Reno and do it. And also a former Jet Class president. And Jeff is one of the founding members of the Jet Class, my favorite class at Reno just because I fly jets, but Jeff also spent a career in the Nevada Air Guard flying my absolute favorite airplane in the world that I've never flown and probably will never fly, the F-4 Phantom. Jeff, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Oh, thank you so much, Dave, and uh, greetings to you and your listening audience from uh, Reno, Nevada, home of the Steel National Championship Air Races, the fastest motor sport I'm so happy to be here for the opportunity to talk with the original Renegade Aviator today about my favorite subject. Right on. Well, Jeff, you know, give us a little bit about your background because I've been honored to be able to fly with you and learn from you and you've got a ton of experience. Go ahead and just let everybody tell what makes you tick and where you come from before you came to the Reno Air Races. Sure, Dave. I'd love to. A true story, maybe a little wordy, but uh, I've told this story to many people. I was bitten by the aviation bug at a very young age, up until I was uh, just about eight years old. My mother, the saint, and yes, she is a saint. We got that on record, right? <laughs> I do. It's, it's recorded. I got it. <laughs> My mom happens to tune in. I want to make sure that I got that on record. But, uh, <laughs> up until the age of eight, my mom had me convinced that I was going to be an orthodontist. And I was serious about being an orthodontist. Until we took a family vacation down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where I got to see the Air Force Thunderbirds perform their air show. And I remember standing next to my dad, pounding on his leg, saying, Dad, that's what I want to do. I was absolutely mesmerized uh, by the thrill and excitement that I saw in front of me. And from that day forward, I was interested in nothing else. I had blinders on to any other career other than becoming an Air Force pilot. And I pursued that goal and was fortunate enough to, uh, to get to live that life, which I wouldn't trade one second of for anything on the planet. And just loved every minute of it because I can tell you, Dave, and I know you feel the same way, there's nothing that swells pride in me more than the men and women in this country that wear the uniforms of our armed services. They are the salt of the earth. I would give anything for them. That's how I started my career in aviation. As I said before, I wouldn't trade one second of it for anything on the planet. I do some different things now, which are just as challenging, but that was my goal, and I pursued it with everything that I had. That's a lesson for anybody. You know, when you find a goal, when you find a passion, don't let anybody change your mind. Don't let anybody change your focus. You said it. Immerse yourself. 
100%. There is no 99. People forget that, right? They say, well, I, I think I might want to do something and they would expect it to be handed it to them. I'm sure that you had to go through um, many steps, many setbacks, many challenges, many obstacles. Uh, I sure did, Dave, and, and you're absolutely right. To me, I, I'm one of those people that sees things in one of two ways. It's either right or wrong, left or right, up and down. There's usually not a lot of gray in between for me. And when it comes to your personal goals and aspirations, it kind of boils down in my mind to two things. Really three, but two of them could be grouped together to just make it two. And that's the desire and the discipline to do it. And you know, the desire is the easy part. I mean, <laughs> we can desire to do just about anything that we want, you know? Yep. It's the discipline that makes it happen. And, I, you know, I've heard you say this before many times on your radio show, and I completely agree with you. It's easy to be a naysayer. It really is. It's easy to take the easy way out. But if you set a goal for yourself and don't let anything get in the way of your achieving that goal, it will happen. I'm living testament to that. I mean, I didn't let anything get in my way. As I said before, if it didn't have an afterburner, I wasn't interested. <laughs> you didn't want to fly uh, C-141 Starlifters, C-5 Galaxies, none of that stuff. You wanted a burner. I love I'm nothing against that community. They serve a vital role in our service organizations. For me, it was fighters or nothing. I went after that with uh, all the zeal I could muster and uh, was fortunate enough to, to get to live that life for as many years as I could. If I could go back and do it all again, I would go back. Uh, I would leave this interview right now, Dave, but they called me back to go back and do it. There you go. <laughs> you know, flying fighters, though, Dave, it, it's a young man's game. Uh, it really is. I mean, you talk about the physical strain on your body that you subject yourself to two, maybe three times a day. It's a lot. You know, and those guys that are out there flying those things are, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, some into their early 40s. But I can tell you from experience, uh, once you get into your early 40s, you really start to feel it. And you're really not flying the airplane to its full capability any longer. You're flying it to your capability. So mm. uh, it's a wonderful career. I say uh, I have the deepest respect for our American servicemen and women. They are the salt of the earth as far as I'm concerned. As do I. Yeah, I mean, we're an all-volunteer force now, and we've been for many years, and there's a lot of dedication that goes into what these, and they are, they're, they're kids now. At the time, we were kids, and now we're looking back, and it's a lot of responsibility put on these people and a lot of sacrifice. So uh, I agree 100%, and, and you know that. You know, Jeff, and now we come into, we come full forward. We have a jet class in the Reno Air Races. And again, it's my favorite class. People like you work with, there's, there's varying levels of people who come in, civilian pilots, military pilots, and they all come together at these Reno Air Races for whatever class they're flying in. But the jet class, I want to focus on a little bit because I was at that first Reno event. It was my first Reno event. And it was what, 2001? We actually did our our exhibition race in 2000, 2001, of course, we were shut down by 9-11. That's right. But yeah, 2000. So I had never been to the Reno Air Races. I was sitting in the stands and watched 
what was going on out there with at the end of the races when they brought the Jets out on the course was absolutely blown away. So, Jeff, you've been a part of the Jet class since the inception. Tell us a little bit about how the Jet class got started and why it's, I think it's our long-term relevant, I mean, they're all great classes, but Jets offer a unique perspective out there for the fan. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, we have some wonderful race classes out there, all very highly competitive. Uh, to, just to give you a little bit of history on how the Jet class started, it was an idea that uh, three of us, myself, Rick Vanden and Lee Beal, were all uh, guard F4 guys, and we're all involved with the air races at, at various levels at that time, racing and working with the, uh, the Reno Air Race Association. When we realized that the only class of airplanes that wasn't represented were jets. The Unlimiteds are the kings out there. They always have been. They are what started the air races. They'll always be the kings. That's why uh, people come there. And that's, that's great. It really is. They're good people. But we put our heads together and we thought, you know, there's no reason that we can't have a jet race class out of here. So we formulated a plan. We took it to the Reno Air Race Association, along with the, uh, the local FAA representatives, presented it to them, and they gave us the opportunity to put on an exhibition race in 2000. So we had five airplanes uh, that participated in that exhibition race. We had two MiG-15s. L-39, an L-29, a MiG-17 that was flown by Jimmy Lee. <laughs> now, of course, only one of those airplanes had an afterburner. <laughs> 17 that was flown by Jimmy Lee. So we told Jimmy, you can't use the afterburner. You know, we're doing this exhibition to see what kind of feedback we get from the crowd. So we want to make it a competitive race. So we're going to restrict you to non-afterburner race. So Jimmy nodded his head and those guys went out and they strapped on their jets and they went out and they got on the course. Well, how long do you think it lasted before Jimmy lit the burn? <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't long because my jaw dropped on the ground when I saw that light. Exactly. It was a lap. And Jimmy lit the burner uh, right in front of the home pylon in front of the crowd and the crowd went wild. And uh, it was a, a, a roaring success. And after that, uh, we were given permission from the Air Race Association and from the FAA to go forward with plans to create a jet class. So, of course, the first obstacle that we had to overcome was, how do we regulate this field and make it a competitive race? Because, obviously, the first airplane that shows up with an afterburner is going to win. And we want it to be a competitive race. So, we modeled it after the IROC concept, the International Race of Champions, where all of the drivers drive identically teched cars. And we did the same thing with the jets. It was a by invitation only. The only airplanes that we allowed were the L-39. We teched all of the airplanes so that they were identical, including setting the fuel controls on each individual airplane. <laughs> so it was truly a pilot's race. It was head-to-head, -head, pilot against pilot, and whoever the best man was, was going to win. We did something that was a little different than we do today, and that was we didn't initially qual for speeds to set up the pairing order of the race like we do now. 
the fastest guy is typically on the pole and on down the line to the, uh, to the slow airplane on the outside. We didn't do that. We drew starting positions from a hat, and we had the owners of the airplanes and the pilots draw their starting numbers from the hat, and we went out and raced in that order based on the draw, and at the end of the race, you were awarded points for the position that you finished in. And the following day, we did the same thing. The next day, we did the same thing. And for the final race, whoever had the most points got the pole position for the final race. So it was unique in that respect. Yeah. We don't do it anymore. We qual traditionally, uh, as the rest of the race classes do. But it made for a very, very competitive race. I mean, I don't think between the eight airplanes that originally raced out there, there was more than 100 feet of spacing between all of them. Mm. It was really exciting. That's excellent. We have said this a lot. I think the younger generation, when they look out, as you mentioned, on the Unlimiteds, any one of us that remembers the World War II aircraft, those bring a tear to the eye as you watch them around the uh, pylons. But the younger generation tends to gravitate. That's the warbird, right? Jets. Jets mean a lot, I think, to the younger crowd, to the young adults now. There's a lot that the racers bring. People like yourself and people that run the classes and, and are part of the Reno Air Races, but also the, the crew and the pilots and the owners of these aircraft, these are not paid racers. And I think people, not everybody understands that. These people come there, and it's part of where I'm going with this event that you're doing here. They put a lot into being entertaining and coming out and having fun too but it's it's quite an investment i guess is where i'm going with this for those race teams to show up every year in september and go out and rip up around that that course yeah you're absolutely right Dave. i mean i've talked to many people over the years that are interested in getting into air racing as a career and the first thing I tell them is, you know, there's really no money to be made in air racing because we don't have a circuit to race in. It's going to cost you a lot of money to come out here and really be competitive. Yeah. And then the question that people will ask me, too, is, well, why do you guys do this? I mean, it, it really looks like it's dangerous. And certainly there is an element of risk with what we do. There's no denying. Yeah, uh, it, it's how you manage that risk and how you minimize that risk. But more importantly, it's what is that one thing that motivates each racer to go out there and take that risk? And it's different for all of us. I know for me, and you and Fred touched on this uh, during your interview a short while ago, and it's absolutely true. For me... It's the younger generation. When you have the opportunity to go out there and talk to the kids and the young men and the young women that are out there to watch the races, and you hear the excitement in their voice, that is about being a sport. And when you have the opportunity to go out there and meet the kids that come out there with their moms and dads or their grandma and grandpa or their school classes or the young men and women that are out there to see the races, and you have the opportunity to talk with them and you hear the excitement in their voice or you see that look of awe and wonder in their eye when they're racing. That's always been a very powerful image to me. And I can't help but think 
that I could very well be standing with the first young man or young woman that may walk on Mars one day. Yeah. If I can be just a small bit of that spark that ignites that flame of ambition within them, then the risk is worth it to me. It always has been. It always will. Yeah. It's the young generation that uh, is going to carry us forward. Well, it is. But you hit on it. When you saw the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, that triggered you. So many people go to air shows, go to air racing events, and they get inspired. And we happen to gravitate to aviation, but it doesn't matter what people do. I keep telling them, as we get more mature, I guess, and and go through life, it's our obligation to give something back. And we need to do that. You know, some of us go to uh, soup kitchens and some of us do what we do that we're passionate about so that somebody can have that same passion as well and can grow that passion. And I think the Reno Air Races, I see that last year when I went to the event, it's the first year I went that I just had a chance to go out into the crowd and just kind of walk around. And I wasn't in the jet pits and I was just in with the crowd and the energy. And I hear this word used a lot with the Reno Air Races, family. And I I hear it from the racers. I hear it from the pit crews. But more importantly, I hear it from the fans. And it's a unique environment because I don't always hear this. I mean, people go to air shows, but I hear it over and over again on social media and people are talking about it. I want to go back to Reno to see my family. That's where they go each and every year. This is unique in aviation. Yeah, you're right. It is. And, uh, and we all feel that way. We refer to ourselves as the September family. And that includes the full group, the racers, the fans, everybody. You know, I know as a racer, uh, I look forward to this week in September uh, more than I look forward to any week out of the year. This week in September is uh, is kind of the top of the mountain, if you will, and we spend the other 51 weeks climbing the hill to get to the top of the mountain so that we can be with our September family again. The camaraderie is just beyond measure. You know, we're all out there to compete against one another. It's a friendly competition, but we certainly enjoy the camaraderie that we share with our fans, with our fellow racers, and I don't think that will ever die, Dave. I mean, it's uh, it's been that way for a long time, and, you know, we're, we're proud of that. We really are. Yeah, it's also another thing I think people don't realize is that they want, I say this all the time, not one thing's easy, but I, I guess there's also a challenge to be a part of that group. So you need to hit a bar. And you said it, it's not a personal judgment, but it's a black or a white. You either do what you're supposed to do or not. It's a very valuable lesson for pilots, sure. I was amazed walking into that. There's a different bar that has to be met. And I think it's humbling, and I think being humbled is good. That gives me, uh, some people say I'm mean because of that. But I think it's good that there is a heavy bar that has to be met. But those people that want to be excellent, no matter how long it takes or no matter what they're doing, they want to meet that bar. I, I hope I'm making sense with how I'm explaining this, because if it was easy, if anybody could do it, this is not the group. And I say this in a good way, where you show up with your jet under your arm and say, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's go. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right, Dave. Uh, you know, obviously, this is not something that we recommend people try at home. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is very high, and it has been very high uh, 
uh, for a long time for the obvious reason. Every class has developed its own set of standards that every racer has to meet. Jet class included, I talk about it and explain it to people this way. And it's not meant to be derogatory. It's not meant to be mean in any way. But we only have two levels of qualification. You're either qualified to race or you're not. Imagine that. There's no in between. There's no being, yeah, he's, he's okay, you know. You either meet the standard or you don't. There's no learning in progress. There's no um, tried really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do hold a school every year. It's called the Pylon Racing Seminar. It's held in June every year. And, and I know you've been out there and, and flown with us. But that's where we qualify new pilots to race. And it's, uh, it's a four-day-long program. It's very demanding. It comes at you, you know, like just about everything else in aviation out of a fire hose. But you have to meet the same standard that everybody does, or you won't make it. And we have had people that have come out and, uh, and didn't pass their first year, and we've worked with them and uh, did more training, and they'll come back the following year, and uh, they meet the bar. But the bar is the, the important part. You have to make meet that bar. There's, there's no in-between. You're either qualified to race or you're not. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm humbled that I am qualified to race, but there was a time when I wasn't. Yeah. So the whole part of this, and that's where I'm going with that, is I think people come in to, to anything. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what questions to ask. You don't know the type of funding required. And, and I'm not saying this to say, oh, boy, look at all the racers are spending all this money. But I, I want to segue into what may happen. And I'm going to say may, and I'm going to let you explain what's going on, because obviously Murphy's Law, this is COVID year 2020. So not only are we fighting a teeny tiny little virus, but we also now have fires all over the area. But I, I think it's still prudent to maybe, if, if you agree, to talk about what you have planned, because I think it's another demonstration of a service to the local community that puts so much behind what the Reno Air Races are. You're right, and thank you. I, I love to take the opportunity to do that. The jet class is hosting a a fly-in this year uh, because we're not going to be able to race. And we want that week in September with our family. Whether or not we're going to be able to do it pretty much depends on the wind gods and the smoke out here because it's, <laughs> it's been bad. Uh, you know, we had we had two nice days yesterday and the day before, and now the winds are swinging around and coming out of the west. But while we were here, I went to the Arena Air Race Association and I said, you know, I think it was the right decision to cancel the races, just for the safety concerns of the pandemic. No doubt in my mind, they made the right call, they really did. But I thought, you know, there are a lot of people that really look forward to this week in September. Our fans, our sponsors, the local community. How about if the jet class puts together a six-ship formation and we just fly out north of Sparks and then fly down over the city of Sparks, down the, the east side of the Reno Valley, around Carson City, and back up the west side of, of the Reno Valley, just to let our fans know that, you know, even though we're not going to get to perform for them this year, we're still thinking about it, and we'll be ready in 2021. So what we intend to do is take off on Saturday, September 19th, at noon from Stead, we'll join up the six ship, the jets, 
and we'll uh, we'll fly that route. And it's for everybody. It's for every race fan. It's for our healthcare workers. It's for everybody that wears a uniform. You know, and if I left anybody out of that group, consider yourself included. It's for all race fans around the world. And we just thought it would be something that we could do to give a little bit back to the community that has given so much to us. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to lead it. I've done all the coordination with uh, the airway staff, the FAA, air traffic control facilities, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. The only hurdle we have to get over is whether or not the smoke is going to clear out of here to the point where we're going to be able to fly. So keep your fingers crossed. If you have any uh, <laughs> any weight to throw at that problem, I'd sure appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I guess a some kind of beads or crystals maybe to make this thing happen because it really is 56 years uh, with the national championship air races in Reno, Nevada. And it's, it's a one of a kind. I, I know people say, well, there's other air races out there and sure there are, and we want to see more air racing, but the type of racing that's done in Reno is unique and they're not making any more areas suitable to even do this kind of thing. So the whole community of Reno and Sparks and the Lake Tahoe area get around this every year. And, you know, COVID is hurting a lot of a lot of people, a lot of small businesses. There's a lot of other things that happen because of these large outdoor events and air shows and air racing attract you know, I think we're number two to NFL. I mean, if you take all the aviation events, so that's why I keep talking about May Day Save Our Air Shows. We, our normal is standing together as people, shoulder to shoulder, looking up into the sky and saying, that's amazing. And maybe even saying that's possible. I got to give a, a shout out as well to, to one of your friends with this, because it goes along to that. Back years ago, when I got out of the Marine Corps, and I, I told the story before, I always wanted to be a fighter pilot and um, should have, could have, would have, right? It didn't happen. So I was crying the blues. Well, was me. Poor Dave Costa. Boo-hoo. And I had a piss, <laughs> right? And... <laughs> yeah. And and so one of my friends who flew Aviate Harriers pointed his finger in my face and he says, you live in the greatest country in the world. Go out and buy your own jet if you want to fly fighter jets or, or military jets. And I, I had given up on it, sort of. I mean, it was a it was a long goal, kept looking for it. And one of the people, you know, and I'm going to give him a shout out, Rick Vandom, just happened to meet. I won't go through the whole thing. Rick was the one that was instrumental in getting me started in that. So as high end as you people are and the people that are involved in all these, what I want the fans to know is that you can walk into the jet pit and you can walk up to Jeff Turney. You can walk up to any of the racers and talk to them. <laughs> and I, I shouldn't have to say this, but I think people come sometimes and they go, gosh, I don't want to walk up and talk to these crews and these pilots. But this is unique where you can go and do that. Yeah, boy, you're, you're spot on, Dave. We encourage people to come down. And we will, as soon as we see a group of, uh, of young men and women out there or kids, we'll run out there to talk to them. It's just in our heart to do it, I guess, uh, to, to try to be that spark for them. And, uh, yeah, anybody is welcome down in the jet pit. There's, uh, we're down on the east end of the airport. We're kind of, uh, you know, away from the, the, the big 
crowd on the west end or on the west end of the airport. Uh, but we certainly encourage people to come down. We have a hospitality tent down there that we invite people to come in. You know, when it's hot and windy, moms and dads down there pushing strollers around with kids in them. We always run out there and say, "Hey, why don't you go over in our hospitality tent and you know get a bottle of water and." take a seat and relax for a little bit, and uh, and we'll sit in there and talk with them. So uh, we, we welcome the opportunity, uh, and, and always have and always will. It's been like that, and it's, um, again, unique. Uh, you can pay extra money, and there's nothing wrong with that to go see the other pits, but the jet pits are the best pits. They're all great, but we can say best. Um, <laughs> I, could be, yeah. I could be jaded. Why not? Um, it, yeah, I, I won't argue with you, Dave. I, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're coming up on this, be, before I lose track, because I do have a note down here, and this is purely for my own satisfaction, because I love the F4. You flew the F4 Phantom. I know so many people that go, wow, the F4 Phantom, right? What was the best and the worst thing about the F4 Phantom? Uh, I don't know that there was a worse thing, and uh, you know everything about it was uh, was the best thing to me. I mean, when I was really interested in, in military fighter aviation, the F-4 was the premier fighter. It was uh, what I describe as the last of the real men's stick and rudder fighters. It wasn't driven by computers. It didn't have electronic flight controls. You had to fly that airplane, and it would talk to you. It was a pleasure to fly that airplane. I think I ended up with uh, just a little under 3,000 hours in it. I'd give anything on the planet to get one minute back in it. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was my dream all my life. Uh, I guess uh, maybe it's not a bad thing. You know, the F-4 had the nickname Double Ugly, <laughs> the Rhino. And I guess it's in, the, it's, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. To me, it was the most beautiful airplane ever built. It certainly has been you know, far surpassed in capability by some of the, the fourth generation things that you come to see coming out now with uh, the F-22 and the F-35. But the F-4 was a pleasure to fly uh, and just uh, one, of the, one of the last of the real men stick and rudder fighters. I am so blessed that I got to uh, spend my career in that airplane. Right on. Right on. And that's what it is. It's about gratitude. Gratitude for whatever, wherever you go, whatever you do, uh, we need to be grateful. We need to be grateful for events like the, like the National Championship Air Races. We need to be grateful for the fans that come out, for the sponsors. And, and this is a shout out I'm giving everybody. I said, take some time. If you're an air show fan, if you're an air race fan, and this sounds really dumb, but I'll tell you, it makes a difference. Write a thank you note to these sponsors. Thank them for supporting events like this. Steel uh, and many other sponsors that come out to all these. Gratitude goes a long way. And, and you said it, Jeff. You know, we're grateful for airplanes we've gotten to fly. We're grateful for people we've gotten to fly with. We're grateful for friends we've had. And even people that we've had disagreements with because... As you well know, we're not all together forever, and friends come and go through, um, you know, just aging out or having something else happen in aviation, not not to be morbid with that. But the gratitude goes a long way in this country, I think. We all want stuff. Well, wanting is great. You earn it. You set it. You got to have the dedication and the discipline. That's earned. But the gratitude is a decision. 
I can be grateful. So I'm grateful to know everybody in the JET class. I'm grateful to, to have you on our show. I'm grateful that what you're doing with this tour of Reno and Sparks, how would people get an update as to if the weather's going to cooperate? Can they find out more information about this? Uh, yeah, we can. The Reno Air Race Association's promotion group uh, called the Foundry is just now beginning to put out press releases uh, regarding the flyby uh, that we're going to do on the, uh, on the 19th. And of course, you know, it, it, it's contingent on, on, the, on the smoke. Yeah. Uh, so it will also be on the local news stations. And we'll make that call as to whether or not we're going to be able to do it. Uh, at least a day, maybe even two in advance. You know, we want to give it every opportunity to clear out here, so that we can uh, we can offer this this little token of gratitude to the community. But we will do our best uh, through the local media outlets to keep everybody up to date on uh, on what's going on. And and I'd also like to say, Dave, uh, I appreciate your offer of gratitude to our sponsors. Uh, yeah, we can't do this uh, without the sponsors that we have. This is completely unique in all the world. It's the only sanctioned closed course pylon racing event where pilots race against each other. Can't be done without sponsors. Cannot be done without the volunteers that come out there and dedicate their time and, and hard work to make all of this happen. And... Uh, my hat is off to all of them. Uh, we can't do it without them. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm always amazed at how hard these volunteers work, how long they work. You know, as a class, as a, as a former class president, as a as an air boss, that's all volunteer. You're not you're not getting a paycheck for that. And there's people that get that are parking cars at air shows. So I always tell people when they go to an event. Don't give the volunteers any grief. Smile at them. Thank them. That that young man or woman or old man or woman standing out in the parking lot parking cars is working hard. And this is all to give you, to give all of us um, something that we can look up in the sky and just smile. And we need that now. We need our air shows coming back. We need that. It's who we are. We stand shoulder to shoulder. We imagine what's possible. That's America. Excellence demonstrated as America. You're absolutely right, Dave. Uh, it, it just kind of goes back to uh, what your mom and dad taught you when you were young. Treat everyone with the same courtesy, dignity, and respect that you would expect in return from them. But the operative word there is practice. One thing to say it, you have to do it. Because if you don't do it, it doesn't make a difference. And I do it all the time. I mean, I go over and I thank the people that are out there volunteering their time uh, to, to make this a successful event because we can't do it without them. We just can't do it. Right on. Right on. And so, ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes peeled. But regardless, Jeff, um, thank you so much for thinking about the local community. It's what this is about. I really appreciate you coming on to the show. Despite the technical challenges, we... Uh, we will make do and we will overcome and May Day save our air shows, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Turney. Jeff, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Uh, my absolute pleasure, Dave. And uh, to you and your family and all of our race fans uh, around the world, stay healthy, stay safe, 
Keep your chins up. Together, we will get through this, and we will see you in 2021 at the Steel National Championship Air Races. Thanks again. Pilots are cool. That's why I listen to David Costa, the renegade aviator. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Thunderbird 1, Thunderbird departure, quick climb to 12,000 to include the loop is approved. Runway 2 and right at taxiway Delta, wind 050 at 6, gusting 16. Clear for takeoff, change to departure. Almost clear for takeoff, runway 2 and right at Delta. Quick climb to 12,000 to include the loop approved. Thunderbirds push 5. Thunderbirds is running up. Stand by smoke, smoke rain now, smoke up rain now. Thunderbirds with 6 rain now, burners now. Nozzle steering. Gear now. Ready now, back in the back, back in the right, on back. Slide, slide, top, 90150, back in with the pull. No, let's pull more, pull to the power back. Let's wrap this up. Sometimes I can edit out some of the background noise. Sometimes I cannot. Thanks again, Jeff Turney of the Reno Air Races, the National Championship Air Races, for joining me today. 888-366-5256 for those of you who would prefer to call me, renegadeaviator.com, renegadeav, the number 8r.com. Yes, you can join my crew if you want to help support this show. If you see value in what we're doing here, please consider joining our crew. For a small monthly amount, whatever you can afford, you will get additional show elements, and depending on the level of support that you choose, all kinds of other cool stuff. Live events, ladies and gentlemen, live events like air shows and air racing have a very powerful role to play in the lives of people. Not telling them what is possible, but showing them what is possible. And it does light a spark. Hey guys and gals, check my Facebook page to get the latest on this 19 September 2020 flyover by the jet class, six beautiful race jets flying over the Reno-Tahoe area. And regardless, 2021, baby, the National Championship Air Races will be back. So stay tuned. We are coming back. And okay, I made a promise at the beginning of the show, and here are the details. Here is what I'm offering. You remember I mentioned a press release from the General Aviation Manufacturers Association, GAMA. Well, here's what I'm offering. I am looking for one, just one high school that we can work with, one high school that we can serve, support, create some sparks with your kids. Go to my website, worldrecordjet.com, and simply send me an email. I'll get back to you with the additional details. This program, however, is an outstanding opportunity, and I want to put my team together with your school, your team, to help promote aerospace. It's about giving back. It's an outstanding opportunity, especially now with COVID and our kids that are putting up with sometimes 
schoolwork that's thrown together at the last minute, nothing against what our educational system is doing, but this is a way to spark these young people to understand why they need to learn, why they need to learn math, science, and all the other subjects. If you have kids that might enjoy, high school kids this is, this this contest, this project is for high school students. If you have high school students that might enjoy an aviation project that's fun and can be done during this crazy COVID BS that we're in right now, get in contact with me, worldrecordjet.com. I'm going to post a press release on my social media so you'll be able to see more about that. It's outstanding. In the meantime, like I said, worldrecordjet.com whether you're a high school student or a high school or not because if you're a young adult 18 to 30 generation z roughly generation z the zoomers we have got an opportunity for you to run the show on our world record attempts in a real military jet you are going to have an unbelievable opportunity so go to world record jet find out all the information contact me anybody that wants to support what we're doing businesses sponsors and even if you just got a few thousand dollars of cash laying around go to the website you can contribute through there if you got a few hundred dollars if you have 20 bucks we're happy for it because it is going to help this next generation in aerospace worldrecordjet.com okay that's enough let's wrap this up you know guys and gals i really like jeff's explanation of desire and discipline this week it's amazing how we hear different stories from different guests But the process and the secret to moving forward in what you do and what you claim to be passionate about is often very similar. Desire and discipline is what Jeff said. And wanting it is not good enough. We need the discipline to actually take those steps that you know in the end were not all that secret to begin with. It was pretty easy to figure out. The reality comes in when you have to actually do something. But before I end this show, I want us to remember something else. Did you listen to the passion from Jeff? Did you hear that willingness to help, to be of service? And I want to focus here for just a second and give you a bit more detail to consider. And these are my words, so I'm not putting words into Jeff's mouth here. Because if you don't have the guts to walk up and ask for guidance and ask for help from those who have already had success in whatever it is that you want to achieve, then you're not going to have the discipline that we talked about by putting those wants, those feelings into action. But here's another thing. Every once in a while, we have those who want to help or those who want help. They want help. But what they really want from someone is for somebody to give it to them, not to meet the bar. They want somebody to give them something for free, or they want to hold, this is even worse, they want to hold the mentor or the instructor or the person that they're asking for help. They want to hold them responsible. Does that make sense? There's people that come up, and and let me start here. The successful people, you, me, anyone, Once you're in action towards your goal, you are successful. You, when you are in action, 
when I am in action. It's not necessarily those who have already achieved something. So if you're in action, and if you're taking 100% of the responsibility for everything and anything that you need to do, then you're on the right path. I say this all the time. The pilot, the captain is 100% responsible. You and I are responsible. Your mentor, those people like Jeff, like me, like countless others, who are grateful to be of service to you and are here to help, do not relieve you of your responsibility for your own success. And you know what? Because you are such a person of high caliber, because we know what you're capable of, we know that you wouldn't want it any other way. There's no freebies out there, ladies and gentlemen, but there is help. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Gotta go, guys and gals. Listen, like, and share. Tell your friends. RenegadeAviator.com. WorldRecordJet.com. 888-366-5256. Leave me a message. I may even play your message on the air. This is David Costa in the air with my TS-11 Iskra jet. Iskra means spark, by the way. And on the air with you each and every week, I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya. Terminate. 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 Terminate.